0: Coming up this week, we discuss a few of the leftovers that from the week that was WWDC and just how popular the new iPad is. Hint, I've had a fondle. More on Project Titan being confirmed and a whole lot other more stuff on the Essential Apple Podcast.
1: You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network.
0: Welcome to the Essential Apple Podcast, a show where we cover the last 7-10 days in the world of Apple news, reviews, rumours, roundup, gossip, tech and, well, basically, anything else that catches our eye. This is the Essential Apple Podcast. Hello, everyone. We're back again with a slight twist this week as I'm not doing the editing. I have a Sunday off. Which is kind of ironic because it's Father's Day and Simon's the actual father, and yet he's going to be doing most of the work. But before we go into the show, uh, it's not been another good week in this country of ours. Uh, what with the, the fire that happened uh, over in that there London, and I was unsure if we were going to address this or if we should address this. And yesterday, I was out on the bike listening to Radio Caroline, brilliant station on the Saturday uh and the the radio presenter was trying to find the words, and it turns out that none other than Tony Blackburn I think has sort of summed it up perfectly for us uh, and the reason i'm going to read his Facebook is because I think he i think he just encapsulated it in a way that. If I tried to fluff my way through it, I don't think I I could get my sentiment out there. And it just goes like this. Uh, I find it very very difficult to be happy-go-lucky sometimes when we're all going through these difficult times. I've talked to many of my fellow broadcasters, and we all feel the same. Those of us who are basically in the business of light-hearted entertainment because we don't want our shows to sound as if we don't care, because we really do, and we hope you understand. I hope we soon get back to happier days, but I know what has recently happened will remain in our minds forever, and I can't, thinking, can't help thinking about those people who suffered so much. Could not agree with you more. And one of the things that we do in this country is we soldier on and we try and bring a bit of normality into a week that's uh, been anything far from normal. So with that in mind, we're going to plow on with the show. And joining me, as always, this week is Simon from The Essential Apple Show. How's it going, Simon? Um, I'm going to ask a stereotypical question. How's the weather?
2: Uh, Well, actually, of course, today it is very sunny and very warm. In fact, uh, I have to say, for a person like me, it's too warm. I'm not really a sun worshipper. But Uh, I'm sure lots of people think it's fabulous. It's certainly... uh, I would say it certainly beats freezing, cold, lashing rain, uh, all that sort of thing. So uh, I think I'd describe it as very pleasant overall.
0: But at least you've got one advantage. You're not a ginger. I literally have to go outside for 30 seconds. And if the sun vaguely reveals itself, that's it. I'm burnt. Uh, I went out yesterday for a cycle and I thought, oh, great, for a couple of hours. Didn't think it was too bad. You know, there's a bit of wind, the sun's out, but it's all right. I now have the world's best cycling ton. And if you're in a podcast player, uh, there will be a picture in the chapter, hopefully, (laughs) uh, if we can Uh, get it to work.
2: I will tell you a short story. Uh, Last week, when the weather was very much like it is today, blazing sunshine, I retreated uh, indoors to uh, keep away from the blazing sun, but uh, my friend... Nigel uh, came round and uh, offered to do my, uh, do me and my wife a favour and run the lawn mower over the lawn, which he did, and a bit of uh, weed hacking. Um, and apparently, having done that, he felt a little bit uh, like he could do with a lie down, so he lay down on the uh, on the lounger in the garden.
0: <laughs> uh, 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 like, yes. yes,
2: and he fell asleep for an hour and a half, wearing only his shorts. And when he woke up, it was very bright red. Um, That's going to hurt me, Gene. That's really going to hurt. And on top of that, uh, when he lay down on the lounger, he put the reaping knife, which he was using to uh, cut down said weeds along the edge of my fence, uh, on his belly. So when he woke up, not only was he bright red, but he has the shape of a reaping knife in white across his belly. (laughs) So be careful out there, people. Remember, SPF does not sound for silly something or other. Though, always (laughs) wear your sunscreen. (laughs) As the song says, you're free to wear sunscreen.
0: (laughs) One of the best songs out there in the world as well. It's it's so nice to actually, because the other week it was absolutely just lashing it down and, and... Ah, it means I've got no excuse to cycle, which reminds me, coming up next week, we have a member of our very own Slack Room uh, coming on to tell us about, well, people call me a bit daft and a bit bonkers for just entering an event and cycling 100 miles. Uh, What our Slack Room listener does makes me look like the world's fattest man. Uh, he does the ultra-endurance <laughs> marathon stuff, and I've got nothing, nothing but respect uh, for uh, what the guy.
2: What, so- was what, <clears does throat> he, what was it he did the other week? He went to um, South Africa, didn't he, and ran 86 kilometers up a mountain.
0: As, as you that, do.
2: That, you know, just he just thought that would be a bit of a laugh, I think. Um, <laughs> I personally can't think of anything more insane, but uh, I'm sure he enjoyed it greatly. So, yes, he will be coming on to talk to us possibly about that and uh, various other things, I'm sure. So that would be nice, uh, won't it?
0: Yes, yeah, so we've got that coming up next week. So if you're out there in the world, start the tweeting and get the show out there because we could do with a few more listeners. So we're growing, don't get me wrong, but it's always nice to see a bit of a, a spike. Well, what have we got this week, Dan? Well, like I say, at the top of the show, we're, it's the WWDC Hangover I have been personally blown away about all of the gushing going on about the new iPads. uh, And I've seen one in the flesh. And oh, my words. When you're listening to all these professional people who obviously got a little bit of insider knowledge with Apple and they're on the Apple PR list and all that sort of stuff, and you hear the words buttery smooth over and over and over, until you see it, you honestly can't comprehend it. And I was listening to the ATP podcast while I was doing my Sunday shop. Uh, and yeah, I agree with Marco Armand. Once you've seen 120 hits scrolling, you're spoiled. It makes everything look bad. It's the same with Retina. Once you have a Retina screen, everything else just looks absolutely awful. And we, uh, so we're in the office. Uh, my colleague does some benchmarking My iPhone 6S is around about 40 to 50% slower on some benchmarks. Now, what makes this really, really interesting in my world is the fact that the iPhone 6S isn't that old. Okay, it's a previous generation model, so it's behind the 7. But when you consider how long apples has been in the chip game for and what they've done and how they've managed to actually get that performance I'm almost slightly worried now is that have Apple done a little bit too well are they going to be able to um, keep up this trajectory or are they playing the or are they playing the long-term view of well we know we can't always keep going faster and faster and faster so what we're going to do is set a building work of having things like metal two and all the uh, learning stuff so that when we can't get those massive leaps of performance we've got the software optimized for it i mean you've been checking out the tech press there simon what's been i mean i know that you don't have an ipad has it even tempted you to sort of think about getting an ipad at all or is it just not a device for you even with what everyone's saying <laughs>
2: Uh, No, it's not a device for me at all, Mark. Um, My wife, as I've mentioned several times on here, um, I mean, my wife has an iPad uh, mini. uh, My girls have iPad minis, um, mini ones, I think. Uh, The boy has an old uh, iPad 2, so, you know, a really old iPad 2. um, And they love them. They absolutely love them, uh, but I tend to work from my phone, which was a six and now is a seven, or I jump to my laptop and i i don 't really feel the need for an for a device in between there so um, i don 't have any real lust for the uh, ipad re- regardless uh, i i you know i 've read about all the lovely things they 've done with it. Uh, it seems like it's probably a very very nice device if you uh, are in that, you know, in that kind of market. But um, it, it just leaves me cold personally. Uh, I I'm more impressed, really, by the uh, the love that's being put out there for the for the iOS 11 iPad features. The New split screening and uh, the dock and uh, all, all the all the things that they've done there, which are things I th- I think were long overdue, and I think those really are. Uh, I mean, some people have been mentioning that it's a bit odd. There's a slight disconnect in that you've got this new iPad, the the new Pros in particular, which have been released, and yet until iOS 11 uh, is released they're not really fully featured because they've obviously been designed to run iOS 11. So um, if you were to buy an iPad, uh, you would be buying an iPad which is going to get a a huge upgrade the minute you can lay your hands on iOS 11.
0: Yeah, yeah. You are right. And I just think it's a testament to how people are... They're buying the device and sort of waiting and waiting and waking and i just hope that it looks as good on the screen uh, it looks as good in real life as it did uh, during those demos i'm really really tempted now because a lot of the a lot of the pinch points i had like when i'm editing a podcast uh, yeah i can do that now but it's it all comes down once again to the file management because you have to push files up or push files down um and now you're gonna like-
2: have a proper file manager Or, you know, it's not going to be a full-blown finder, but even if you call it, I I don't know, I I think it might be... uh, It's probably the equivalent of Adobe's mini-bridge. I don't know if you've ever used that. I don't use it myself, but it's a kind of finder replacement um, which you can use from inside Photoshop or or any of the Creative Suite applications, obviously. Uh, And it allows you access to your uh, assets. Uh, And it's... a. it's like a sort of a multi-pane Finder. Um, yeah, I'm, 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 I, I feel that the files in uh, iOS 11 is going to be a bit like that because it's it's not a, a total file system, is it? it? It allows you access to Dropbox and iCloud and probably a couple of others, and and probably files on the device. I haven't really looked into it, but it's obviously a huge step forward. But I think it's going to be a bit like a mini Finder. But even so the ability to manipulate files in a, in a more traditional manner i think is going to be a huge boon if you actually try yeah. to do that kind of work on an ipad
0: it's also going to be interesting how how quickly apps are going to develop for this so when you read, when i was editing the podcast when i was on holiday the the biggest pain i had was getting files to and off the device and now I think about it, if I'd have been at home, I could have airdropped the files onto the device. That's going to be the real interesting thing to see just how quickly uh, the companies embrace all of this because there's going to no doubt be quite a bit of work needed. And I suppose... In a way, Apple have already sort of acknowledged this by you know, getting rid of the 32-bit apps because they are going to be long in the tooth and maybe they will or won't work. Well, they won't work with iOS 11. So you're kind of thinking now, what? at least to my line of thought, that this big clear out is only a good thing because – They're actually only going to keep the active developers on there. And we all have those apps that we wish we could keep forever and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, these things have got to change and move on. And the story that I did sort of find really interesting is where's it gone? It's not. Why was it not on the show notes? Is that um, someone from Microsoft? was saying, oh, yeah, the, new, the iPad Pro is all bound in thanks to the Microsoft Surface. Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, 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 right. Uh, it's here. It's a Microsoft executive said that the iPad Pro is a clear example of Apple following Microsoft. Uh, I don't really know how they can do that. I think they've been drinking too much of their own Kool-Aid there, uh, or somebody hit him on the head with a large Surface book. Uh, because, what, in what way? Is the surf? You know the 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 iPad Pro like a service? What you can use a pen with it? You can use a detachable keyboard with it. Okay, well the the Apple Pencil uh, maybe came after the Surface was introduced with the Microsoft pen, but then again Samsung had a pen, didn't they? On there, What is it the Note? Um, no, I, I at the minute. I feel that the tablet market, quote unquote, actually consists of the iPad market and uh, the Surface market, and that's it. And the Surface and the iPad take differing views on how a touch-enabled product should work, and I think they also have completely uh, different ethos, and there's nothing wrong with that but i think what that means is uh, that i think that means that there is a space for those two products to stand and in some ways they're not even actually competing with each other in the same way as say the galaxy note or the um oh was it the sony xperia they did they do a they did an android you know nine inch tablet or whatever but those were attempting to compete with the iPad. I don't think the Surface is attempting to, to, to compete with the iPad at all. I think it's a it's a it, it it's a similar form factor, and that's about all there is to it. That one is designed to be not like a computer to a large extent, and the other one is designed to be quite a lot like a computer. Um, the very fact that the Surface, you know, they do a Surface Book and a Surface uh note laptop and yeah which i personally think muddies the whole concept but that's a different matter i mean they very much pitch that as a laptop replacement product Uh, and i don't really think that apple do pitch the ipad or even the pro as a laptop replacement
0: The, the surface the more i've been using it it really feels... In fact, I've even written a, an article on this when I was a little bit... Uh, yes, I I, I,
2: yeah. I read that, and it got... Um, although I could understand what you were saying, it got somewhat more wobbly towards the end. Yes. Shall we I say. I think <laughs> the, the,
0: as the creative juices were being fuelled, uh, the common sense kind of went out the window a little bit. But that being said, the more and more I've used the surface, it just feels too much still like windows but yeah here's a pen and rightly or wrongly that that's just that's my view i know a lot of people love 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 the uh the uh the surface and i can see why but there's just so many little pinch points like if you try using if you go to tablet mode and you try using explorer it's a fiddly pernickety mess and the way I think the, the iPad is doing it by making it simpler, by making it bigger, and by doing very, very small steps. I think Apple have definitely gone down the right road to say, well, there's no good solution for this at the moment. But here's an idea, and let's try it. Uh,
2: uh, also, I, think at, yeah, I think at the moment what you're going to get is uh, people who are dedicated Surface users, and you are going to get people who are dedicated uh, iPad users and i won't say near the two shall meet but um I, I just think they address in some ways they address completely different problems and uh, yeah. i think it's often that it's the it's the uh tech press who want like to whip up this sort of rivalry or oh look the you know the because they look vaguely similar and no i just don't see it and i i think this executive saying it's a clear example of apple following microsoft is just well very rude words a string of very rude words is what i think about that comment to be honest
0: well this is the this is the actual comment that's uh It's Ryan Gavin told Business Insider that the iPad Pro is a clear example of Apple following Microsoft rather than the other way way around. Gavin added, think about it. If we'd been looking at Apple, we wouldn't have made a product like Surface Pro or Surface Book. We've been learning and perfecting our two-in-one product category for years now. But when Surface initially launched, everyone was sceptical, including them, and then they followed. The iPad Pro is a clear example of that. If only the iPad Pro hadn't been out a lot longer before that and things. And the problem is that they don't know how long Apple had been baking these ideas for. We still seem to be in this weird thing that, Oh, look at that. Apple have just released a finder or or files app. Oh, well, they must've just cobbled that together to react. Uh, I no, would be I very, very surprised on that. From what, surprised. I've,
2: from what I know and what I've read uh, which isn't, you know, you know, I don't like... From what I know, no, I'm not I'm not personally friends with Johnny Ive or anything, but from what I've read and the things that have come to light over the years, Apple spends years developing these things. You know, uh, we were told, weren't we, that the, the original idea of a touch tablet was started inside Apple in their kind of, you know, deep development works, uh, and then... It was, it was dropped because at that time the technology was too expensive and it morphed into the iPhone. And then after the iPhone was a massive success, they went back to their idea of a tablet and revisited it. And, you know, manufacturing having moved on and uh, components having moved on and the fact that you'd already then developed, you know, created a market that meant there were people out there manufacturing lcd screens or oled screens or the components you need meant that it became viable to produce the ipad and that that kind of means that they were probably working or you know developing the idea of the ipad and the iphone maybe five seven years before there was a product
0: yeah, uh, I think this is where people seem to forget that a product just doesn't simply happen. There has to be that time of you know, development in R&D, which is, well, Then and... we get into the old argument of, you know, how do Apple make so much money when the bill of materials only costs 30p, oh, and they sell it for like a million, yeah,
2: and blah, yeah, blah, blah, yeah, blah, blah,
0: blah, 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 one thing I would say, the Surface and the iPad have in common, is developer, uh, it's Developers, developers, developers. It's going to be the apps. And if developers actually embrace the iPad as a computing platform rather than just a bigger iPhone screen, that's going to be where it really comes into play. Because it's the only, I suppose the only example I can give you right now is uh, art programs or drawing programs. And they all seem to be, or the majority seem to be, touch-up stuff like uh, adobe photoshop elements or well christ i can't remember now I was, I was looking at a load of apps a while ago and they well, all I mean, seem if to be a variant on the same thing of uh, here's some filters here's how to touch up yeah you want to actually you... draw that's a whole well,
2: that, different ballgame that's that's because that's a much more specialist market i think but they, there are things out there uh art rage i believe is one um there, there are two or three proper natural media drawing painting products available so they are out there but they are a lot harder to find than the yeah there's a lot of toy town Ooh, look get a you know get your kiddies to do on photographs or whatnot because those are easy to make that's yes. the truth those yeah. you know relatively speaking these things are easy to build whereas building something like uh, art rage or one of the i can't remember the name but there are two or three well known and they're not cheap either that's the other thing no you no, know, they, they they also come don't in get at the full kind of either. No, they don't. They don't get the credit they deserve because I guess it's possibly quite a small market, and as a result, you do. You, you know those products will be charging you near desktop prices, and not that I blame them. Why would you know? They, and so they should really. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure ArtRage for the iPad is just as much work to develop and make work correctly as ArtRage for your, for your Mac.
0: I will admit, the, I'm looking at Affinity, was it Affinity Photo Designer? Affinity Photo, that's...
2: Affinity Photo I'm Designer is their vector drawing product.
0: I'm looking at that with Envious Eyes. And if they do the Affinity Designer for iPad, which is what I use on my Mac, if that comes out and it will work on the iPad Air 1 and it costs about 40 pounds and that is a no brainer because we've worked together a little bit and we've used affinity designer if i could have that on my ipad and i can be sat on my sofa or out in the front lawn or front yard to give the americans their uh, yeah. uh, parlance uh, i would do that because it just that is what i would call a natural fit and a natural feel and i think when uh, I, I listened back to the talk show You've got devices for direct interaction and devices for indirect in, uh, interaction, and I really think that something like Affinity Designer, if that was to come to the iPad, that would be something something amazing. Well, we've just spent most of this show right now talking about Microsoft. <laughs> uh, <laughs> should we go on? right? You've put something here that I've never heard of before called iMazing Mini. It's a free time machine for your iPhone. What's all that about?
2: Okay, uh, this is a beta, it's from iMazing who make the product which you can use to uh, get direct access to your iOS device's uh, file system. So you can use it to uh, pull out files and make backups and so on. Um, and it's it's not the cheapest products but it's a brilliant, brilliant product and uh, quite often features in bundles and if you're interested in that you should look for a bundle probably that contains it. But... They've released a, a beta of iMazing Mini, and this is uh, free. With no, uses no cloud services, has no advertising, and it allows you to take backups from your iOS device onto your uh, onto your computer, onto your Mac. And well, it it it's it's just a very very good thing. It allows you to back up, make incremental backups of your ios device onto your uh, mac without having to use itunes it's as simple as that really it's just and it's you know go out and download it and and play with it that's all i can say does it
0: How i can see here it's got a backup extractor what happens if you've encrypted your backup on your device does it work with it then?
2: If you've encrypted your back, well, I, I no, no, it, it's you have to make it. makes its own backups. It doesn't use oh, the iOS. Oh,
0: right. So it, right. So it's its, going, so it's, 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 its own proprietary uh, type of well,
2: backup. Well, I don't, it's just what it's doing is it's doing what the iTunes backup of your device does, but it does it. You can set it to do it automatically um, and take snapshots, so you can do incremental backups which you can roll back. Uh, Which is
0: handy for the people like you who live on the edge of beta <laughs> releases.
2: <laughs> well, you know, yeah, it has all sorts of uses. I'll, I'll be honest, you know, but it's it's free and it doesn't it doesn't clog up your hard drive. It's you know, it's it's an interesting little project, and uh, I I'm very happy to have come across it. Basically, uh-huh. and when you install it, by the way, it, it just puts one of those little menu applets in in your in your menu. That, oh, uh,
0: yeah, that just gives you a bit of an update. Uh, and the pricing doesn't seem too bad. What have we got here? Uh dollars for here in the UK for a single licence.
2: know uh, you're uh, looking universe. at iMazing. iMazing Mini is free.
0: Uh yes. If you want to go up to... That's a good the point. Full,
2: the full iMazing. This is the thing. They've taken some of the technology from iMazing, and, and they're uh, yeah, it, it's ultimate backups of your iPhone and iPad beta a free Mac and PC app which backs up your iOS device automatically wirelessly and privately Windows version will be coming soon yeah so it's currently only for Mac but a Windows version will be shipping soon Um, and then there's i and I I guess partially I suppose they're releasing it as a loss leader because what they're saying is you can if you want to look inside these backups you need a full but a full-blown version of iMazing to look inside your yeah. backups, but, but to use it to make a backup or restore a backup, you can just use the, the iMazing Mini so I guess in some respects it's a, it's a lost leader to encourage people. But if, yes, the full the full amazing is not you know I mean it's not the cheapest thing in the world, but it's it's forty dollars or something as you said. Um,
0: but it pays for it. I've been in a situation where I've had to go and extract things from a phone from a backup, and if I'd had yeah. this tool, my sanity would have been saved it's, to say the least.
2: It's yeah. the... the those sort of tools, and as I say, it often crops up in bundles. So do you know? Do keep your eye on the bundle hunter and uh, Mac bundlers and people like that. Excellent. So that's excellent. that's an excellent little you know. T- as I say, it's kind of time machine idea for your iPhone, and it's currently free. And whether or not they will charge for it after beta, I can't say. But right. there we go. And so of that course, the next story th- is. No, I was going to say, and the next story is Uncle Tim had a a long interview with Bloomberg, which apparently he called, and uh, I'm sure they came running, and he confirmed that Project Titan is real, and that all that kerfuffle uh, a while ago, where they said it was doomed and scrapped, and people were being laid off, and all sorts of other. Uh, things were talked that that was actually a reboot of the titan project where they decided to move away from the idea of actually building an i-car uh, uh, to concentrate on the system.
0: autonomous systems as yes saying. so
2: that the ai and the technology that behind so rather than building a car which is a little sad i'm 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 a little saddened. I know I'd never be able to afford an Apple iCar because it would probably be a quarter of a million dollars, but, you know, um, I'm still a little saddened by that. But uh, that is where they're going. And, uh, the yes, the, the kerfuffle with people being laid off was, of course, mostly to do with people, I assume, who were engineers involved in actually making vehicles. Uh, and he, he was talking... Uh, very much about the fact that he sees three major vectors uh, of change pushing forward, and that is ride-hailing services, electric cars, and autonomous vehicles. And I have to say, I've thought, not so much the ride-hailing maybe, but... Well, that
0: that would be interesting for things like Apple Maps, because Google's obviously got it all sewn down. With ways and you know the real-time information of how traffic is flowing and all that sort of stuff. But if you were to apply that and give a system for, say, ride-hailing, suddenly you've got a whole big set of data about uh, knowing where I, traffic is.
2: Well, there's that, but I I think Tim or is that a bit too uh,
0: googly and a bit too data no, and analy- data? No, I, d- I don't mind- think so.
2: I think if you had a fleet of uh, a fleet of you know cars. I I think Tim Tim's vision is more that at the moment we're using you know people are using the internet to get ride hail you know ride hailing services so Uber and Lyft and you know, probably there are others um, there's a huge one in China isn't there that uh, Apple bought into uh, which. At the time, lots of people said, "Why would they buy into it?" You know, why would they buy into a ride-sharing company in China? Well, because I'm probably they'd probably have a lot more leeway in China to make semi-autonomous or autonomous vehicles, or to experiment without so much, uh, you know, of the tech press poking their nose yeah. in. It's a lot. It's a lot harder for the tech press probably to get into deepest Shenzhen. Uh, where Apple may be testing some sort of technology than it is for them to fly down to Cupertino and stick their but long Here's lengths. one, though.
0: If you were Apple, would you really want to be associated with Uber right now, given all no. of the bad stuff that's happening? Well, they're not,
2: they're not associated with Uber, are they? But I know... Uh, it's, it's, it feels like
0: if there was ever going to be, like, an extension for them to try and uh, penetrate a new market with ride-having... Well, I think
2: there's... I think, I think the point is that I think Apple and Tim's ultimate idea is that at the moment people are getting used to the idea of using an app to get an Uber or a Lyft or whatever. Electric cars are becoming no longer a dream, no longer, you know, a sci-fi dream. They are becoming something which is truly viable. Obviously, we've got Teslas and, and all sorts of others. But also, mainstream, quote, unquote, you no know, car manufacturers are very heavily scrambling to get on board the electric vehicle market. And then the third vector is autonomous vehicles. And I there's been all sorts of stuff talked from all sorts of perspectives. And I don't have any special knowledge, only my own personal view. And my personal view is that autonomous vehicles are almost inevitable at this point it is the technologies are coming together the manufacturing is falling into place there are certain points in history i think where certain technologies their time comes why did we suddenly go from a horse-powered society to a petrol-powered society relatively overnight it wasn't actually overnight obviously but no in a very short space of time because that technology had come of age, the the things required to make that happen fell into place. Henry Ford invented mass production. The machinery to, uh, you know, to mill and cast and grind and press had reached a mature state so that people like Henry Ford could say, right, we can go out and we need to make X number of million wheels and they 're not being made by hand by a, a, a you know a cartwright anymore we 're just stamping them out with this machine and that kind I believe that that kind of inflection point is nearly here and I very much think the reason that uh, Tim Cook is talking about ride hailing is because if and it also uber have you know made it clear that this is their ultimate goal is to have a fleet of robot vehicles which you hail you nobody buys a car you either you know you rent or it, it's it's a vehicle as a service that's the ultimate goal of all these people
0: yeah especially leasing Seems to be the, the big thing at the moment. So there was, a uh, was it, just after Christmas, almost every advert out there just seemed to be about cars being leased rather than purchased. Yeah,
2: now that is also a thing, because leasing a vehicle rather than purchasing one is something that many businesses have done for many, many years. But it was usually only available to businesses, and particularly to businesses with fleets of vehicles so I've got 20 reps I need 20 vehicles you don't go and buy 20 vehicles you lease you know 20 rep mobiles and you have them for three years and at the end of the three years you give them back and the company that leased them to you then sells them and recoups some of its money that way and you get another set of 20 vehicles so your reps constantly have vehicles that are no more than three years old and you you're you're leasing that you're but yes you're buying those ve- you're paying for those vehicles as a service the reason that you suddenly saw a huge increase in it is i don't know if the legislation was changed i don't think so i think it's merely that the manufacturers and the dealers found that people were getting more and more uh stingy about buying a new car Because they're vast sums of money, and the minute you drive out of the showroom, you know, a third of its value evaporates. And people were getting more and more, not sure if I want to do that. But with leasing, they can say to you, you can have this brand new car for £1,000 down and £200 a month. And they can do, with that, they can do deals where they, they throw in the insurance. They throw in maintenance. They throw in a deal with quick fit that if you get a puncture, you go to quick fit and they fix it or give you a new tire and you don't pay. So again, that was a, I think that was an inflection point, which was caused, caused, I suspect by the auto manufacturers finding that people were less keen on buying a car. So how do we, how do we get vehicles shifting out of the showrooms? Well, we'll have to encourage people a different way. We'll give them a deal where they don't buy it. They just lease it.
0: We in in work we do have uh we we do lease uh, quite about three cars they get replaced every year and I've also noticed as well that part of the whole leasing thing seems to be very much a a vanity thing because a couple of friends I used to have were changing their cars every year just because oh look at that I can get a new shiny and yeah I don't have to worry about MOTs I don't have to worry about servicing and. It is it. It can be an expensive way, but I wouldn't. I would. You. am not be sure if it's that surprised. much more
2: expensive. I think you'll find that actually, these days, the deals that are available mean that, in many ways, it's it, it's the by far the most sensible option. By far, the most sensible option. I mean, at, at work, uh, my boss and uh, my boss's son, both, and and in fact, my managing director in the course of two years, all had the point where they said, we really, you know, I need to change my car. And they all spent a long time looking into it in great depth because that's the sort of thing they do, obviously, being in management and, and doing a financial analysis of it. And all three of them opted to take a, a lease, to lease a new car rather than to buy one. So,
0: And if bean counters are doing that, you know you're onto something.
2: Well, exactly, exactly. And I think... Again, that's another thing. It's a societal change, possibly, but it's another thing that starts to move vehicles away from being a status symbol, um, a statement about how much money you earn and and so on. I mean, there's a certain amount of that, but more and more people, vehicles are becoming commoditized, aren't they? They're just... Especially when you get to a situation like you have in this country and probably America where, you know, when I was growing up... It was usually one car for a family that in the 60s and the 70s, there'd be one car per family and it would be usually driven by the man of the household. Yeah. But that gradually became, you know, as women uh, started to go to work, as as that kicked in uh, in the 70s, I suppose, it became commoner and commoner for there to be two vehicles in the household. But, I mean, I walk down my street now and because... People tend not to leave home until they're in their mid twenties or later. There are many houses down my street with three or four cars because there's one for Dad and one for Mum and and you know one for Tom who's at university and one for Gertie who's doing something else. <laughs> but we so do have a society yeah. where, where it, it's almost expected that you everybody has has a vehicle. So, in that situation, a lot of people start to look at the car as a commodity object. And when that happens, I think that's when disruption is is possible. And where Tim is saying electric vehicles, self-driving vehicles, a change to the idea about why you would like, you know, why you own a car, why do you want to own a car, what do you actually need to do with a car. I mean, in I mean no, the commoditization in example,
0: fits example in, uh, fits in nicely with the iPhone and ipads aren 't they because you know, I suppose you could argue that an iPhone or an iPad could be essential for some uh but no I th- yeah it's I think where the <laughs> the point is going to come with this is when well, Tesla I, get their unit door.
2: Yeah, aren't, but aren't Apple already effectively giving you that option? If you take the, uh, you can do a lease, effectively a lease hire, can't you? If you take the Apple upgrade program. True, true. That is That is effectively a lease hire. You, you get a brand new iPhone and you pay X amount a month for it. And at the end of the year, I mean, technically you... you You uh, you're financing it over two years. It's a it's a lease purchase scheme, isn't it? Because if you reach the end of the two years, you can either keep the phone. You know, you pay the final whatever it is and keep the phone, or you renew. But they've built in a scheme where if you want at the end of the first year, you can change it, and that's that is effectively a lease hire. You are paying money every month to have access to this brand new shiny. Phone and at the end of a year you take it in and you trade it in and as long as it's in good condition they give you you know most of the money back and then you take a new phone and you take a new fo- a new lease contract so that's it's to most people in the way they think of it they won't think that they're renting that phone but they're not they don't actually own the phone do they they don't actually no. own the phone so that's another type yes that's it's not commoditization, but it begins to seep into people's brains as a way of having things as a service things which are expensive to be purchased as a service yeah and and for many very many people what do you do with your car you go out in the morning you get in your car you drive to work it then sits outside your place of work for eight hours until you drive home you might make a diversion to the supermarket and then go home where nine times out of ten it then sits Outside your house for another fourteen hours,
0: oh if, if uh, yeah if, if we could do something like self driving cars that are there and you don't have to have all the hassle it's like it basically if it sits on your drive its a, it's a diminishing return, isn't it It's just going to lose yes. more and more money, but then you are sacrificing a heck of a lot if we go right into the future here' it's like if I want to go out to the shops on a whim. Uh, I can't, and I think that's going to be the long-term...
2: But but you say that, if you imagine all these robot cars, probably even if it was half... I mean, if the robot cars are available all the time, and I bet you wouldn't need a quarter of the actual vehicles that we have in this country. Now, the only real problem will come at rush hour, won't it? That would be your problem. When at eight, I don't know, seven... when yep. at seven thirty-one in the morning, every single person in the country is hitting their "I'd like a car to go to work" button. That is where you're going to have the problem.
0: And then you but, end up with yeah, Uber in to... a surcharge and all that sort of stuff.
2: But do you want? Do you want to? You know, do, do you want to go? Do you want to go to shops on the whim and you press call a car, call a car? And there are I don't know however many million of these robot vehicles just prowling around the streets. There's bound to be one near you and it would be with you in minutes and whisk you off to wherever it is you want to go. Whole Foods, for example. <laughs> yes. Yeah, see? see yeah. there's a tech joke. There's a tech joke there.
0: Oh blimey. How we gone? we've gone forty minutes. We barely covered anything I I'll tell you what, uh let's let's have a reboot. And we will go over to Nemo's hardware because Nemo's actually got a bit of kit this week that I've used. So I can actually comment on this. So, Nemo, it's over to you for three and a bit minutes.
1: Two items that we use every day here in Nemo's hardware store broke on the same day last week. My trusty old HP Color LaserJet printer, which was a printer only, died I've had that for several years and my 500 gigabyte backup drive that I was using for carbon copy cloner for my MacBook Pro my primary computer also expired because it got full and I'm now using more than 500 gigabytes on the computer so I need to replace both the printer and the external backup carbon copy clone hard drive I did a little bit of research and I ended up with another printer from HP it's called the color LaserJet pro MFP M277DW. It's a wireless all-in-one for copying, scanning, and printing. It does automatic duplex printing. The wireless took me about two minutes to set up. As a matter of fact, it took me less time to do my first wireless print than it took me to get it out of the box. It's not super heavy. It's attractive. It's an off-white, has two paper trays, a good little touchpad display for all the setups and all the configuring, and I've only had it for a few days, and I'm very pleased. With a bit of luck, I'll be able to scan and print without ever attaching a USB cable to it, and I also did some color and black copying, and that worked out great. So this is $350 in the U.S. It's currently on sale. That's a good price, and it'll be a little bit more if you're not in the U.S., but again, like I said last week with those wireless Bluetooth headphones from Audio-Technica, I think this is worth saving up for. Some people are not wild about HP. i been using HP printers for many many years and I've always had success with them so with my short experience with the color laserjet pro mfp m277dw I can recommend this it comes with an actual printed instruction manual so you can follow along and all kinds of web pages and help guides that you can look up on the internet quite impressive what HP has done for the small home office or the busy little hardware store trying to get the word out about technology the hard drive that i got is from seagate that's s-e-a-g-a-t-e it's called the backup plus four terabyte portable external hard drive usb3 i got the red one so it's easy to find in my closet this costs 120 dollars in the u.s and we will have the amazon links for our affiliate page so please have a look at those links to help you make that decision in whatever country you reside. It's an attractive four-terabyte drive. It's a little chubby because it's got to accommodate those extra-large hard drives. It's high-capacity backup. I took it out and I reformatted it using Drive Genius. I've never been wild about Seagate's native drive formatting. So I used Drive Genius to reformat, initialize it, and then within a few minutes, I was doing my first backup, my carbon copy clone. Then I took it out to my office because I do not want it sitting next to my MacBook Pro. If some wise schmuck comes into my house and wants to steal my stuff, I want to make it as difficult as possible to steal both the backup drive and the computer. So from personal recommendation from Short Usage, HP and Seagate, the all-in-one multifunction printer with excellent wireless and the Backup Plus USB 3 in red. Back next week,
0: Thank you, John, once again, for another Nemo's Hardware Store. Now, you can obviously go to your normal websites like HB.com or go and have a look everywhere else. But if you're that sort of person who likes to make things easy for yourself and you don't mind using Amazon and maybe you've got a Prime account, don't forget, we've got an affiliate link. And as I say, each and every week at this point, and you're probably bored of me hearing it, so next week I'm going to have to try and do something a bit... Well, I say all this and my chair is squeaking away. You can help support the show and hopefully help me get rid of my squeaky chair by using our Amazon affiliate link where yes, if please, you shop at please, Amazon,
2: please, please, please use our Amazon affiliate so Mark can get a new chair. And I could do
0: this because I don't have to do the edit this week. (laughs) I'll just cut
2: the whole bit out. I can edit. Uh,
0: Yes, if you use our Amazon affiliate link, we get a very, very, very small amount of commission, but it all mounts up after time. And the best thing is it doesn't cost you a thing. You don't have to do anything. You just click on our link, shop, check out as normal, and we get a small amount of commission. Now, one handy hint I've got is for the HP Color LaserJet Pro, is if you're looking to get one it's always worth doing a uh, a search for extended warranty or coupon or um what's the other word i'm looking for cashback? because when i was in work and we bought the 477 fdw version of this which is the full color laser jet with the scanner the printer and everything else uh, and network card as well Uh, i just happened to do a search and there was a a weird looking HP website, and I was a bit skeptical, but it's one of these websites that obviously do some weird geolocational stuff. But anyway, long story short, after following a couple of links, I was able to get another year's worth of warranty, sorry, two years' warranty for absolutely nothing, just for registering the device. So if you get a HP product, Go and try and do a bit of a Google for cash back on them, because on some things, some models, depending on the time of year and if that uh, if that offer is still available, you can get a severe amount of money back. I know on a printer that we spent 300 pounds on, we ended up getting back about 100 pounds and an extended warranty. Now, maybe that's just a big old clever market employee by HP, but it's still worth going out there. And the same with the Seagate drives as well. If you have a look around, you might be able to get a bit of cash back if you go to Seagate.com or any other sites as well. And don't forget our Amazon link. Now, speaking of spending money... Apple launches its first event to promote Apple Pay. Three days of discounts for every purchase. It's all about forgot your wallet, lose your wallet. And this is a promotion that Apple are running in San Francisco Uh between the dates of June 23rd to the 25th where certain shops, it says here to promote actual pay, uh, sorry, from June the 23rd to the 20, uh, 25th, 20 stores in the Hayes Valley neighborhood and 16 shops in the Marina will offer exclusive discounts. to all those people who use Apple pay, the discount will fluctuate between 10 to 15, 25% on purchases, regardless of cost. The parking lots will cost 50% less and caviar, Oh, I, was gonna, I had to double take then which deals with home food delivery will save $5 per order how I wish people would do that over here the only way that Apple Pay got promoted over here was contactless because in the UK if you make a purchase via contactless the actual shop or the retailer pays less of a transaction fee than pressing buttons on a number pad Odd that and look how well it's taken off uh, not really much to sort of talk about that. I wish Apple would do a little bit more like that somewhere, but, you know, it's interesting to see that Apple are doing something like I, that. This is, sorry, it, it's,
2: yeah, I just, I would love that too. Unfortunately, I am denied Apple Pay because my bank don't support it. Grrr. However, they are a very good bank in many other ways. I do have now at least have a contactless credit card, which is something. But um, unfortunately, I'm... I'm rather doubtful we'll see such a thing in this country because Apple Pay and contactless uh, payments in general have been a great success in this country, replacing uh, chip and pin. Although, obviously, a lot of people still use chip and pin, but chip and pin is a perfectly good technology, don't get me wrong. Whereas, of course, the Americans uh, have been stuck using swipe and sign um, until very recently indeed. And uh, I think there's a lot of resistance among certain parts of the American retail uh, to shift away. And the banks have been trying to force them to accept a, a more secure way of doing it by saying we're going to put the liability on you if you don't use more secure systems and whatnot. But Attempting to get the Americans to switch over to chip and pin or contactless is apparently, you know, proving to be quite difficult. So by pushing people to use Apple Pay or other contactless payment methods, uh, I'm sure that's well worthwhile for people, you know, be it the retailers, the services and Apple themselves to to have a, a promotion you know, and to give discounts and so on. But I I just, unfortunately, I can't see it happening in this country because it's already a big success.
0: Oh, I, I, I actually almost get a bit stroppy in the way like, oh, did he contact contactless? No. And I'm like thinking, do I have my card in the car? It's just so, so ingrained now to use well, Apple Pay. Well, I think Peg. it's
2: it, it's become a bit, it's become in this country a bit like, do you take card payments you know these days even in a pub if you go into a pub and they don't take card payments people are like what are you from the dark ages (laughs) i mean people people don't even bother anymore to say can i run a tab and pay with my card at the end because we're contactless you just order your drinks and tap the card and it's a it's yep. even easier than handing the bloke a twenty pound note, isn't it? Because he hasn't got to go to the till and figure out the change and give it back to you and all the rest. So people Good. just go, you oh, know, two pints of lager, please, mate. Beep, done.
0: The the people in the slack room well know where I am on a Friday night because I go, I've just you oh, I did it again in the weekend. Uh, I was out. I was, after my cycle, could not be bothered to cook. I'm gonna. <laughs> It was a long day and I thought, right, I'm gonna to go to the pub. And there I was, sat at my table. I could order using Apple Pay and all was good with the world because I didn't risk losing my table, which was nice. But it's the next story is the one that's got my dander up a little bit. And these sort of the two stories follow on from each other here that Uh, Apple Pay peer-to-peer payments aren't a threat to PayPal or Square, the Motley Fool. And this is one of those stories where Apple Pay and doing peer-to-peer payments is going to be a failure because it's not going to take over from PayPal. It's not going to be the biggest thing on the planet, so therefore it's a complete waste of time. Uh, Let me just go...
2: Yeah, but you do have to remember that the Motley Fool is... A stock and finance recommendation company isn't it
0: but they're saying things ridiculous things like there's oh, no well, incentive did, to use apple did, did, pay over competitors oh what? Well, yeah because i can yeah. if i might win if i'm out in a pub with you and i i say right can i borrow 20 quid you then have to if you were to use like paypal you'd have to go into paypal Find me. Uh, Make sure I've got my dress details there. Make sure that I'm set up as well. Uh, Then you have to transfer. Then you have to go, are you sure to transfer? Whereas in a message, you can go, send me a message, click on Apple Pay, £20, done.
2: I think you'll find what... How is is that not an incentive? Yeah, it is. The thing is, the motley fool, what they're actually... You have to kind of analyze their analysis and what it really says is or what they're trying to say is if you hold shares in paypal or square
0: Uh, they're not going to
2: crash and burn don't don't panic sell your shares because apple have brought out peer-to-peer what they're saying is it just be another system and on, on the reverse, they're also saying don't rush out and buy Apple shares just because they've announced this. And, you, you know, it's not going to cause a surge in their shares, nor is it going to crush PayPal or destroy Square. Just keep you calm because that's what the Motley Fool is about. It's about shareholding and purchasing advice. So they talk, they talk a lot of stuff about tech and often a lot of cobblers about tech. But the reason they do that is because it's all... Really tied to uh, what we think the stock is going to do. So you know, these are the sort of people that Gene Munster works for. You know what I mean? I wouldn't. I'm sure Gene Munster. You're right. I, I have.
0: I've forgotten. I've. I've become less cynical. I've forgotten I, I, about the conspiracy theories. My God, what's I gone think- wrong with me?
2: <laughs> I'm sure that Gene Munster is actually really quite good at his job. He he wouldn't be so well known if he wasn't. It's just he's you know he he had he had a few fanciful ideas about Apple which he Apple wouldn't TV. let go of. Yeah, which he wouldn't let go of, and basically just made himself look silly. But you know, I'm sure in uh, uh, you know, and f- for all the mocking that we do of analysts uh, and all sorts of people pour on their heads. They make quite a lot of money giving people advice on what they think is happening, and I have to admit that I do listen to the Tech Pinions podcast with, uh, you know, Tim Baharan and uh, various others, uh, because they do uh, talk quite a lot of sense about Apple and Microsoft and what's going on in, and Google and so on. Uh, so a lot a little...
0: unlike this show, basically, is what you're saying.
2: Oh, well, for a start, they always manage to keep their show to half an hour long and uh, <laughs> they talk we quite a lot. we can do that. We'll
0: do that on the 50th episode. We'll do a live stream for 30 minutes.
2: <laughs> Don't be silly. Don't it be silly. If you can, do a live it stream, happen. it has to go for an
0: hour and a half. Right. It could happen.
2: Uh, I would quite it... like to do live streams, actually. It would be quite interesting, wouldn't it? It would be able to, a bit like when Carl first did um, Mac and Forth and. Uh, I used to listen to the recordings live um, and be in there, which is, of course, practically how I ended up being here, because... Uh, When Carl started Mac and Forth Show, I was kind of like a fourth invisible guest because I'd be listening live and I'd be in the chat room and there was often only, sometimes only me in there. And uh, so Carl would sometimes refer to the chat room and sometimes he'd say it was me and sometimes he would say Serenac and sometimes he'd say from the chat room and often it was all just me. (laughs) I'm well, talking,
0: I, I am considering about am, doing it for like... I get am to talking the about
2: the very early days here. I am talking about the first few episodes. But as a result of that, of course, I, I kind of got into the idea of getting into podcasting. So it's all Carl's fault.
0: Yeah, Carl has a, a lot of things to blame for stuff like this.
2: Um,
0: I'm looking forward... I just, I've just literally learnt that in the last few minutes... Uh, that PayPal do peer-to-peer payments, and there is no way on earth I would do that through PayPal any, any time whatsoever.
2: I've see, I mean, got... the other the other story you put in here see, is the PayPal chief dismissing the Apple Pay challenge, and obviously, of course, he is going to because, well, they're a competitor. He's not going to go, oh, no, we're doomed, because, of course, they're not doomed. It's like saying Barclays is doomed because... Their stupid Barclay Pay system was a miserable See, joke. The, the PayPal
0: article got it right cause Mr. Shulman, who had an interview with the Telegraph, suggested it was str- Apple Pay, which struggled to gain traction because it's not available on non-Apple devices, unlike PayPal, which is technology uh, technology agnostic. And yes, he gets it; it's right. It is only for Apple things. But yeah. what? What I what I'm loving about Apple Pay, it's going to be another source of revenue generation for them. Or oh, is yeah. it? Oh, actually, or will it be? Because how are they actually going to make money from it? Because if you're paying people peer to peer, they don't take a cut. It's just That's, a service.
2: Yeah, I, I I guess I don't know. Some of those things are just about engagement, aren't they? They like they like yeah. to say there's user engagement. Some and as Tim has said, uh, I know on a, a couple of occasions, and not about not about that sort of thing, but about, um, for example, uh, eco policy. You know, uh, running the com- the company on clean energy and so on. Uh, you know, he has said on a couple of occasions. You know, not everything we do has to be directly about the bottom line. You know, he oh, said there was that, that
0: famous quote about accessibility, wasn't it? And he sort of kicked <clears> off uh, saying uh, along the lines of bottom line doesn't bloody matter when we're talking about accessibility or something yeah, along words, those lines. Words to
2: that effect, which was basically, yeah, we we do accessibility because we think it's the right thing to do. Not because, you know, we don't think that accessibility gets us hundreds or thousands more users, but it means that the people who need accessibility features can use our products uh, more easily, and it 's the right thing to do uh, and and so on so yeah, sometimes these things are about engagement or uh, user lock in if you like, but you no, know, in the end, whatever else Apple is a company, they are a corporation, their job is to make money so there
0: we uh, are yes, uh, I'll tell you what we are, uh, well we, we've knocked on the door of an hour, we'll do the one more story, uh, Microsoft's new modern keyboard is the Touch ID enabled keyboard we uh, we all wish Apple had made Apple, uh, sorry, Microsoft have just released a new keyboard which looks spookishly similar to the new keyboard slash old keyboard from Apple, the, what, you know, the nice the aluminum
2: Magic 2? Yes,
0: that's the one. Uh, But this one, the dubbed, the modern keyboard priced at $129. The accessory lets users unlock their Windows 10 devices with a finger press using Windows Hello. So basically this is a keyboard with a sort of Touch ID that can only be used with Windows uh, and it's got a dedicated fingerprint key. It looks pretty Uh. much Exactly hidden, like it? the Space Gray Magic keyboard, uh, but with a button.
2: Well, uh, I, I don't know if, you, if you've noticed, but for years, uh, the default keyboard with the, with the iMac was the Bluetooth keyboard, which is the little squitty one, the, the little laptop-type layout yeah. keyboard, not the full extended one with the full numeric keyboard and the inverted T keys and so on. Um, yep,
0: that's the one I've got in front of me now.
2: Yes, well, that if you wanted the extended keyboard, the full-size 113 keys or whatever it is, that you had to have a wired one, didn't you? Yeah. It was only available as a wired keyboard. Now, why that stayed that way for so long, I have no idea, absolutely no idea, why there was not a Bluetooth uh, extended keyboard. And I don't know if you've noticed, but Apple have now introduced an ex- uh, a Bluetooth extended keyboard. And it's £129, or $129. At the moment, Apple stuff seems to be dollar to the pound. So uh, it's £129, which I think is an awful lot of money, um, really. But... They are very nice keyboards, so and I, I can't get on with the short ones, which is bizarre because I don't have a problem with the short one when I'm using my laptop, but I think that's something to do with the way that you put your hands on the palm rests to type, whereas on the desk with a, uh, the little short keyboard, I always end up being off by like a key or so because I'm used to a full-length keyboard with the numbers on.
0: If Apple ever released a keyboard that has a Touch ID button in, it would be a case of take my money.
2: People have uh, said then... they're surprised that they haven't done it. But of course, you can use your phone. If you've got a new enough Mac, your phone will un- unlock your Mac for you, won't it? You can have it do it through the continuity features or your watch. Yes. Which is well, something that I keep client meaning
0: client. to set up because my Mac is on a different email address or uh, iCloud yeah, don't, I don't
2: know. I don't know how new your Mac has to be to allow it because I think my, my, I looked at it for my Macs and mine, uh, my Macs are just too old. They're like one generation too old to allow me to unlock them with my Apple Watch, which was slightly annoying
0: there is uh or there was another app out there which is not launched at the minute let me just find it now it's called mac id which does something similar and supports more hardware and we'll have yeah, that um,
2: yeah that's an um, uh, i've heard of it and i i meant to investigate it because i think you can then use your phone can't you you can use touch id on your phone to unlock your Personally, I don't have a problem with sitting down at my keyboard, hitting return and typing in my password. It's not really that much of a problem, is it? I mean, it, with a yeah, phone, it you know, Touch ID on your phone and your iPad gives you instant access and whatnot. And that's, you know, the minute that came out, everybody was like, wow, that's brilliant. But uh, your Mac, really, I'm, you know, as I sit down at my Mac in the morning uh, for, you know, preparing for an eight or nine hours of, of work. The effort of hitting return and typing my password is insignificant, as I'm about to spend another nine hours typing.
0: Yeah, it, if I mean, if that's a leasing, if that's the only thing I've got to worry about in my life, that my watch is mm. unlocking my Mac, then yes. Uh, but I'm, I I, just do want to try it, though, for the sake of trying it. Oh, yeah, it, yeah,
2: for, be, it would be, and, you know, and if I get a new Mac at work, then I'm sure I'll be able to make my Apple Watch unlock it for me, and once I get used to it, I feel like a caveman if I have to hit return and type a password to get into my <laughs> Mac. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this looks, doesn't it, you know, going back to this, this looks like a very nice keyboard, but yes, it looks spookily like the original uh, aluminium slim keyboard from Apple. Um, I mean, now the new one is called the Magic Two, isn't it? And it's now a wedge shape rather than f- as flat as the original. I think. Um, there we go. Ooh, so right. basically, ooh, ooh, what we've ooh, done in the co- in the comments here, somebody says this this isn't backlit, which is. Well, I suppose if it's for a. F- but then again, it's a full size keyboard, obviously, mostly designed for people to work on a desk. And if you're on a desk, yeah. you, should ha- you should have a light, shouldn't you? Why do you really need it to be backlit? Although I suppose it wouldn't hurt. But then again, if it.
0: But what they do at night is up to them.
2: Well, yeah, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: somehow we started the show talking about Microsoft, so I think it's only really fair that we uh, end the show. Uh, Talking about Microsoft for some reason on an Apple show. Uh, Well, there you go. Oh, yeah. Right then, let's get out of it. It's sunny outside, and I'm going to take my iPad outside and dream of what it'd be like to have an iPad Pro and iOS 11. If people want to get a hold of you, Simon, how can they do so, good sir?
2: Uh, they can get hold of me, of course, in the Slack room if they want to join that. Uh, you can reach us on Google Plus and I myself am on Twitter as at Serenak and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K.
0: Excellent. Thank you once again for turning up. Uh, and uh, Also, I, I, Mr. Madden, a bit of an apology because he was supposed to be on this week's show, but I kind of sent him a message. I didn't go through and I didn't look at my phone. So, Carl, uh, yes, um, yeah so I'm just thinking about the conversation that we've had this week and I don't want to spoil it for the next time he's on uh, and also I know he's visiting his dad this afternoon so I hope everything is good there for you If you want to get hold of me you can, can do on the Twitter at Ocean Speed which is following my weird wonderful life if you want to follow the website and please do we could do with a few more followers on the Twitter for at <laughs> Essential Apple we've got the Facebook we've got the Twitter we've got the Google Plus so and we're all on there as well and don't forget to head over to essentialapple.com. and until next week when we're going to have some people on the show that are going to be way more interested exciting than we are ever going to be we will see you next week so have a good week take it easy everyone and stay safe out there indeed goodbye
2: five four three two one and we are go go wait go where the commercial guy We're recording a commercial for the MyMac.com podcast. Ah, so we're recording the podcast now. Well, well, no, not now. At the moment, we're recording this commercial.
0: So when do we go? Go where? I don't know. You started this whole go thing. The
2: G-Men on the MyMac.com podcast. We have no idea what we'll say next.